Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. That is here. My editors at Fox Sports are clever people. I mentioned to them over the holiday weekend that I was planning to do a podcast on the future of Russell Westbrook, what I was hearing around the league about his prospects of staying with the Lakers, the potential of some other team picking him up if he were cut loose, and how he ran the risk of suffering the same precipitous fall from favor that Carmelo Anthony did after he was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder five years ago by the New York Knicks and suddenly found himself being treated like, well, not a star, more of a role player. A valued role player, to be sure, but a role player nonetheless. A clear third option to Westbrook and Paul George at that time. And for Anthony, there were two problems with that. One, this was happening in Oklahoma City. Now, I hate to take a tangent off of a tangent, but I'm going to here because of the reaction on Twitter to my note that some Jazz officials were unhappy that Donovan Mitchell wanted out of Salt Lake City and thought trading him to Cleveland rather than New York would be punishment. That prompted some comments about, yeah, they sent him to a winning team instead of the Knicks. That's some punishment. Or that's a lie because there's video of Donovan dancing on the golf course when he heard he'd been traded to the Cavs. Or the media is always putting down the small markets in favor of the big ones. First of all, there's a reason the Jazz traded Donovan. Because he didn't want to be in Salt Lake City. If winning was what he cared about most. Well, he was already with a franchise that was doing a lot of winning lately. A hell of a lot more than the Cavs. Second, the Jazz couldn't have known how Donovan would feel about going to Cleveland. It's not like they asked him, hey, if we sent you to Cleveland, would you be mad? And 
Maybe his joy on the golf course was simply over not being in Salt Lake City anymore. Having this finally resolved, considering the rumors of him wanting to go someplace else had been going on forever. And the Jazz were threatening to keep him there if they didn't get the deal they wanted. The fact is, he hasn't spent a winter in Cleveland yet, so I'd hold off on saying the Jazz didn't punish him by sending him there. It's been rumored for years that he believes he could be a bigger star if only he were in a bigger market. So, in that light, I can see why some Jazz officials feel they not only didn't give the Knicks what they wanted, they didn't give Donovan what he wanted either. And three, reporting the attitude of a Jazz official or officials, or Donovan for that matter, or anybody else, is not me co-signing what life is like in any particular place. I enjoy visiting any number of small market cities. There are more than a few, and Salt Lake is one, that I would not have a problem living in. At least I don't think I would. I'm I'm an outdoors type of guy. And yeah, I'd have to substitute snowboarding for surfing, but I'm adaptable. And Utah is beautiful. But back to my first tangent, was, was explaining why Carmelo struggled so mightily when he landed in OKC. Now, I know how much Carmelo wanted out of Denver when he went to New York, how out of place he and his family felt there, because I sat in his living room and talked to him about it right before the deal that sent him to New York happened. Now, I doubt he always felt that way about Denver, but once the possibility of going back to New York became real, I'm sure he became more conscious of all the things that Denver didn't have that New York did. Being forced to move from New York City to OKC would be jarring for anyone culturally. For an NBA player, it's like the premise for the sitcom Schitt's Creek. Being a celebrity or recognizable in OKC is different than in New York. The dividends of being a celebrity or having money in OKC is different than it is in New York. And I'm not saying worse or better. I'm just saying different. Especially someone who is brand new to the town. Big city dwellers are accustomed to meeting new people, people who are new in town. Chances are they were one themselves at some point. It's part of the spice of being in a big city. Everybody's from someplace else and it's cool. It's less so with small city people. It takes a little more time for small city people to warm up to someone. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a reality. Don't have as much experience. Two, Mello had just run, or had a run, of 10 consecutive all-star appearances despite the Knicks having losing records his last four seasons with them. Mello was named a 2015 all-star for a Knicks team that was 10-43 and at the break. So if he didn't fully realize that his value had dropped and the league no longer viewed him as a franchise cornerstone type player, it's understandable. What he was being received, what he was receiving in terms of accolades would suggest that his star was still bright. Anyway, one editor. Now, I'm done with the tangents. Had a one editor who asked when I plan to drop this podcast. 
and if I could write an accompanying column for the website on the same subject. And I said, sure. Sounded like an easy way to satisfy my podcast listeners, as well as my editors and readers. So I wrote the column first because I figured that would be the more challenging of the two tasks. And I originally planned to write about how Westbrook and the Lakers needed each other more than either one realized. But after talking and texting with my various contacts, what I had in mind was writing about how Westbrook is facing the same devaluation as Carmelo and whether he realizes it or not and that he has this season to avoid the same fate. In fact, it may even be too late for him to avoid that fate and explain why. So it turned out to be less of a column and more of a straight story about the predicament in which Westbrook finds himself. You can check it out if you'd like at foxsports.com. If you're wondering like who might pick him up or what how this season is going to unfold, a lot of detail there from executives around the league on what their perspective is. Uh, and if you're having trouble finding it, simply search my name on the app or on foxsports.com. And if you click the star under my avatar, once you find my name, you can just search for my name, R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R, you'll be alerted anytime I post any new content, video, TV, Twitter, or written content for foxsports.com. Now, the reason I so readily agreed to do a column to accompany the podcast is, as I said, I thought I could satisfy both my podcast listeners and my editors and readers without doing any additional work. And what I realized after turning it in, the story that is, that I couldn't just regurgitate the column here uh, and that my conversations with my NBA contacts focused on what might happen to Westbrook, not his and the Lakers' mutual need for each other. And fact is, I still want to address that subject, which means I didn't kill two birds with one stone or create two pieces of work off the same material. I basically agreed to double my work on the subject. If we're going with the analogy, I didn't kill two birds with one stone. I gave birth to two more birds or something like that. In any case, This podcast is less about what is likely to happen to Westbrook as much as it is a look at how much the Lakers and Westbrook, whether they know it or not, need each other. And how what is happening to Westbrook is the risk Damian Lillard would have run had he opted to leave Portland. Now, I don't know if I'm going to actually get, um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if I'm going to get to the Lillard-Portland part. But as I see it, I can simply say, imagine if Russ had never left Oklahoma City. He would be beloved there because he stayed when KD left. And maybe at some point, uh, look, I don't know how long Thunder GM Sam Presti would have stuck with him. He tried to build around him in several different ways and it didn't produce anything close to a championship caliber team. But if he'd stuck around there for at least a couple more years, I assure you that his business interests, his brand, his profile would be a lot better than it is right now. 
I don't know where his endorsements are, but I can't imagine that they haven't taken a huge hit as a result of all that has transpired with him being in L.A., in spite of being in a market like L.A. All that aside, let me start here. The idea of just cutting Westbrook loose, which is almost certain to happen at some point this season, could very well be the end of this season having any significance for either him or the Lakers. So understand that. If the Lakers cut him loose, then they are conceding the season. Now, I was inspired to tackle the subject by all the reports and social media chatter about how the Lakers just need to get rid of Westbrook at any cost, as if they would be better without him. That if they can't trade him, just wave him. Addition by subtraction. I find it nothing short of mind-boggling. Has anyone looked at this Lakers roster? As of right now, their projected starting lineup is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, and Thomas Bryant, with a rotation of Kendrick Nunn or Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, Juan Toscano-Anderson, and Damian Jones coming off the bench. That's nine or ten names that I gave you there. And we got a problem right from the start, because... Westbrook and Patrick Beverly playing together sounds like a solution in terms of their egos, but not when it comes to basketball. And Thomas Bryant. Do you know who that is? Can you expect anything from him? The starting lineup alone is rife with problems. Yet the expectation is that this year's team is somehow going to improve on last year's 11th place finish. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I mean, think about the rotation last year that everybody was so giddy about. LeBron, AD, Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, Malik Monk, Carmelo, and Avery Bradley. Is there anybody who thinks the potential of this year's rotation is greater than that one? Now, we had our doubts last year. But that was because of age, not ability. And now, gone is Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Their fourth, fifth, and sixth leading scorers last season. Monk was far and away their best three-point shooter. Gone are also their fourth and fifth best rebounders, Jordan and Howard. And in their stead, 
are Beverly and his 34% three-point shooting. Bryant, who played behind Daniel Gafford and Montrez Harold in Washington last season. Remember how disappointing Harold was as a Laker? He looked like an all-star for the Wizards compared to Bryant. None didn't play at all last season because of a bone bruise. Who knows what condition he's in, what he's going to be able to contribute. Walker could not crack the 34-win Spurs starting lineup. Juan Toscano-Anderson saw nothing more than mop-up duty for the Warriors in the postseason. Kind of fell out of favor there. And averaged less than 14 minutes a game during the regular season. And Jones played sparingly for the 30-win Sacramento Kings. This is a team that would be better without Westbrook? The only Laker other than Monk to play more than 70 games? Their third leading scorer, their third leading rebounder, their leader in assists? And look, I know numbers are not everything. I know that as well as anyone. A good player on a bad team is going to get playing time and get shots and put up numbers. But I'm looking at this roster and wondering exactly where the bona fide good players are that are going to provide those same numbers if Westbrook is not part of this team. Now, one of these young guys might rise up, but to the level that Westbrook gave you last season, as flawed as or disappointing as it might have been, who exactly is going to do that? Austin Reeves? Lonnie Walker? If they could, they would have done it already for someone or somewhere else. It might even be different if some of the new additions were veterans, seeing as young guys generally struggle to play with LeBron. I know, I know, he had a half season with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and produced a winning record before he got injured. I think there were four or five games over 500. If that's all the proof you have, I don't need to say any more. A half of a season isn't really proof of anything. The regular season, when it comes to LeBron and winning championships, isn't really proof of anything. How many teams have put up winning records in the regular season for an entire regular season and were summarily dismissed in the postseason? The more telling question would be, if you want to make a case for young players who LeBron has played well with, is how many were better playing with LeBron than they were at any other time in their career? What players overachieved, young players that is, playing next to LeBron? And don't give me Taylor Horton Tucker or Austin Reeves, please. Just don't. Otherwise, we can't be friends. So, again, how are the Lakers going to be better without Westbrook? How is LeBron going to be better without Westbrook? But that's the message that the Lakers, and on some level LeBron, have been sending since the end of last season, looking for any way possible to deal him. And you don't think Westbrook is aware of that? And now you're going to possibly ask him to come off the bench, something he hasn't done since the first month of his rookie year, way back in 2008? And you're going to ask him to do it potentially behind Patrick Beverly, who he neither likes nor respects. 
That's one of the elements that came up in the piece that I did for FoxSports.com is the prevailing notion around the league is that Westbrook has to come off the bench because he can't play alongside LeBron and AD. He's just not going to get enough touches to be or to make the biggest impact that he could possibly make. And it's it's not so much Westbrook's failing as, if you haven't noticed, LeBron's usage rate has gone up every year the last few years. And this past season was the highest it's been in the last eight. And Anthony Davis, when it comes to centers, had the fourth highest usage rate. Played very limited, which obviously, as we know, because of injury, which allowed Westbrook to bump up his uh, his usage rate. It was just a tick above AD's overall. But that was because AD didn't play very many games. And even so, it was the lowest, I think it was the third lowest usage rate in Westbrook's entire career, going back to his early years in the league. The harsh reality is, though, that for his own good, Westbrook needs to find a way to make all of this work. The entire league has signaled loud and clear that they no longer view Westbrook as a valuable player, certainly not as valuable as he sees himself. Carmelo Anthony ran into the same dilemma in Oklahoma City balked at being asked to take a lesser role and quickly found himself traded and waived twice in the span of seven months and then out of the league entirely until a Blazers team desperate to show Damian Lillard that they were willing to do anything to improve and not having a whole lot of other options signed him to a non-guaranteed veterans minimum. The difference is that there was a way to envision Anthony as a potentially effective stretch four coming off the bench. The Blazers had a number of injuries, if I'm not mistaken, and they were looking for someone who might be able to score on the front line. And Anthony has never been seen as a divisive locker room presence, other than when he was in New York and resented the hell out of Jeremy Lin. What is Westbrook's calling card at this stage? What role, if you're going to sign him as a role player, What role can he be envisioned as playing to help a good team? He's not a defensive stopper. He's not a floor spacer. He's not a sure-handed distributor. And he's not a reliable shooter. It's a brutal quandary. There's no hiding from it. Westbrook needs to find a way to reestablish his value as much as the Lakers need him to reestablish his, or contribute on some level to reestablish his value. And it's not just a matter of being content to come off the bench. It's not, it's also not complaining about how many minutes he's playing or the sets that are being run. Because once a player is deemed not good enough to build around, young or old, life gets different in a hurry. You might have seen or heard Pat Bev tell some AAU players over the summer that not everybody gets to be KD or LeBron, telling them they have to find a way to be able to contribute, make cuts, run the floor hard, rebound, box out, do all the little things if they indeed wanted to get to the next level. I gave the same pitch to my AAU team years ago. Nobody recorded it. 
no one would put make it go viral because it was me t- <laughs> telling my AAU team. But it's the same principle. I agree with it a thousand percent. I told my team, look, you guys can compete to be one of the leading scorers on the team, which is one or two spots, or you can make yourself into a player that is capable of filling one of the other 10 spots on the roster. Now, if continuing to be valuable and wanting to play at the next level, whatever that next level may be for you, I'd say the odds of landing one of the 10 spots is a lot higher than landing one of the two. And one of the most important qualities that those other 10 players must have is flexibility, adaptability, the ability to stay ready and play hard no matter how many minutes or touches or shots they may get. It's sublimating their ego. It's doing whatever is best for the team and doing it as well as they possibly can. Now, that is not easy. For anybody who thinks they're talented, it's a hard thing to do. Hard thing to stay ready when you don't know how much you're going to play, how many shots you're going to get. That's tough. It is tough. And it's especially tough for someone who has never been asked to do it. But that's where Westbrook may have something that Carmelo did not have, at least to my knowledge. I know Mello was in the U.S. Junior National Program. He was identified very early on as a supreme talent. Played against LeBron in a U.S. summer festival. Mello was highly recruited out of high school. He won a championship with the Syracuse program revolving around him. Russ didn't come up that way. He was not a featured player for most of his high school career at least not until he blew up as a senior. He came off the bench his entire freshman year for Ben Howland and the UCLA Bruins. I think he averaged like 3.4 points a game. He was considered, believe it or not, a defensive specialist. He didn't even start every game as a sophomore and was their third leading scorer behind Kevin Love and Darren Collison. Now, it's been a long time since he had to find a way to fit in around other featured players. But at least he knows what it's like. And he did it well enough to still be drafted fourth overall, even if everyone thought it was a daring move by Presti to do so. But then Westbrook had no choice. He had to figure out out a way to fit in and play his best in the role that he was given if he wanted to get where he wanted to go, which was the NBA. The question is, does he realize that once again, he has no choice but to swallow his pride and his ego and accept whatever role he is given and excel at it? Because that's what it's going to take. Only this time, it's about staying in the NBA. How much does that mean to him? How much does he want that? How well does he understand that that is what he is fighting for? We're about to find out. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I 
think, as of right now, that I am going to do my next podcast. I'm going to start working in a little bit of um, betting advice, suggestions. It will be tailored with the things that I'm learning about teams coming into the league. But I want to take a look at uh, some of the over-under marks for wins for various teams and give you a few teams that I see as being very good bets for going over or under what is being projected right now. And generally, this is a good time to jump on those if you have early information because the odds shift once we get into training camp and the world gets a clear-eyed view of exactly what these teams have and how good or not good they're going to be. So I believe that's where I'm going to go in the next podcast. But there's a number of things that are brewing out there that I want to address. This just seems like a good time for all of you to either look smart or make some money or both. And why not get to it? Why delay? But we'll see if something else comes up. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns